I kind of started laughing at the guitarist a little bit because he was just like, bam, bam. <laughs> yeah, have you not heard that before? I, I did not recognize it's it. It's a great from that blues go. song, but also I love it because it's the theme song from Eastbound and Down. So, oh, dude, I've only watched the first season of Eastbound and Down. Oh, really? But I, yeah, but I loved it. Was it an HBO show? Yeah, it's on HBO. Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah, I need to just go back and watch it then. Perfect. I need to show yeah, that yeah. I watch at night and smoke weed too. So yeah. perfect. He's found out. Absolutely. Yeah, because yeah, I know you have HBO because uh, <laughs> you're on yeah, my account. Cause... I see your little icon. Probably shouldn't have said that on a podcast in a public forum. <laughs> yeah, I, <laughs> I think we'll be okay. <laughs> I think we'll be okay. Nobody yeah, from mis- HBO is listening to this, guarantee. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Mr. What is Mr. HBO going to fucking. Um, yeah. Uh, I watched the first season of Eastbound Down. I really liked it. I didn't continue to go forward. I don't really remember why. But yeah, I've always wanted to go back to it because it's it's baseball. Yeah, it's Danny McBride. Mm-hmm. There's boobies every now and then. I think <laughs> yeah. if I remember correctly, yep. that's all I really need out of life. Yeah, absolutely. Doesn't get um, better than that. So yeah, I did not recognize the song though. So uh, introduce the song though. Who the fuck even is it? Freddie I have King. No idea. It's um oh, Freddie it is King. going down by Freddie King. I uh yeah, I didn't mean to laugh at it. It's just the guitar I I don't <laughs> Okay, the intro guitar part maybe not all that great cuz it was just him it was just the guitar is kind of going meow meow meow. Yeah, I get that. Yeah. Come on, Freddie. Pick it up, man. Um, all right, welcome back to the podcast, The Vinyl Frontier. I'm in a little bit of a good mood today. I don't know if you could tell. Fucking why? <laughs> I'm kind of in a good mood today. I don't know if you could tell. <laughs> Fuck you, dude. <laughs> Did I ask? Uh, no, what I'm is definitely... there to be chipper about, Eli? <laughs> I, I, yeah, I don't know. I just, I, I feel good. I don't know. I got air in my lungs, so... We'll count it as a win. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Yes, so. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm typically not, is is what I'm insinuating. I'm typically not in a good mood. Yeah, I get that. So, just because I have mental health issues. But uh, today's a good one. So, I'm happy about that. I'm excited. Well, we took a little bit of a break, too. Mm. We, we, we <laughs> unspokenly didn't even talk <laughs> right. about it. Took a break. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad we didn't even have to be like, hey, we recorded it. We just knew. <laughs> yeah, we knew. We knew we needed a break. Um, you've had quite a bit going on. I've had a lot going on. Uh, listen to the old episodes if you want to hear about my groin. If yeah. you want to get caught up on that situation, I'm doing better, but annoyingly not completely. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like I'm on the right track, but I'm not there yet. Sure. Very yeah. frustrating. Very frustrating. If you are ever have to deal with shit going on in your groin which by the way most useless part of your body nothing happens there it's just adjacent to stuff that is really Mm -hmm. important 
Yeah. Very frustrating. <laughs> Very frustrating to deal with. Yeah. But uh, no, I'm feeling good. I'm doing good. So I'm ready. I'm excited to be uh, back doing the podcast with you. I missed you is what I'm trying to Thanks, say. Thanks, man. I missed Very you too. Roundabout way of just saying, I haven't, I haven't really talked to you in a while. We haven't been here staring at each other. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so I'm excited. Yeah. I'm excited. For sure. I'm excited too. Um, I'm back in the saddle and I've got, I'm very excited about this. This is what I'm drinking. I know you didn't ask. Did you know Bush made a peach? I had no fucking <laughs> idea. I did not know that was a thing. Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> I was excited to try it because, like, I think what a year year or two ago, last fall, they did like a apple or apple pie Bush or something that was pretty good. So I was like, oh shit, they have peach. It's fun summery drink. Yeah, I I, I do tend to like peach more than apple. Um. And yeah, the bush apple, not bad. Not bad. I liked it. I didn't love it. I definitely liked it. The Natty Light has that one like tropical beer. Mm. You ever have that? No, the, I haven't. It's in that pink pink can. Oh, I think I have actually, now that you mention it. Yeah. I don't I don't really like those. So I thought no. Bush did a way better job. Um, but also it, it's as good as it can. As good as it can be, but I mean, so peach to apple, how are you feeling? Do you like the apple better? I think I like prefer the better? apple better. Peach is almost kind of like uh, a seltzery kind of flavor. So I feel like this one is like, sure. it can't quite decide what it wants to be. Is it a peach seltzer? Is it a beer? Uh, I don't know. It does It does both shitty, I guess I would say. <laughs> oh, okay. It's, it's doing both poorly? <laughs> <Yeah>. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, since since we're on this topic, let me tell you about what I'm drinking. Yeah, what you I got? I just got to get a cold one out of my mini fridge. So, so sounds good. <laughs> also, <laughs> intermission music. <laughs> it would have been really funny if I came back to sit down and you were just like doing one of these, the fucking like you're dancing in the fifties. Uh, that's great um uh also so i'm gonna tell you what i'm drinking i'm also going to teach you how to pour a fucking beer i would love to learn okay (laughs) because literally this one you don't even have to do anything i have a whole hack (laughs) on how you how i pour beer but i am drinking sierra nevada's Summerfest, the refreshing summer lager it's in a little blue can that's cool that's neat I and I've had a couple of these <laughs> today. Just yeah, just yeah. to be honest. Just, I, I get home before you do. I'm bored. That's I'm true. playing video games, drinking beer. Just get home sooner. Um I don't know who works at Sierra Nevada who said when we make a beer, I want it to be the driest beer <laughs> ever. They I don't know how th- that. And, and and I like this. I don't hate it. Um, at all, it's actually pretty good. Refreshing? No, no. It's like the fucking <laughs> desert in a can. <laughs> but I like it. It's just why does it have to be? It tastes like an IPA. This is a lager that doesn't. That's crazy. That doesn't yeah. compute. But it's good. But I'm gonna pour it. But I'm gonna teach you how to pour a beer. All I right. I know how to pour a beer. I just always fuck it up. <laughs> so I'm gonna put this down like I'm gonna expose myself to you. <laughs> And you're not wearing any pants, so... Uh, yeah, and that's your <laughs> dick, dude? No, literally, just fucking bam, flipper. Oh, that I've never done. I've never done that yeah. in my life. That's awesome. 
just do that now now the the size is wrong because this this beer glass is technically not 12 ounces gotcha yeah oh but no yeah look boom that's perfect yeah that was a really good life hack um that the audio listeners will never see subscribe to our patreon (laughs) (laughs) we don't have a patreon (laughs) subscribe to our only fans we're not that good only cans am i right <laughs> Mitch, I have something really important to talk to you about. God, if there was an OnlyFans version of of that for drinking, it's called OnlyCans. You better believe, dude, oh, I'm on yeah. that tomorrow. <laughs> but yeah, and then look at my beer, though. That's beautiful. Yeah. The so what you do? So I saw this on TikTok. Admittedly, I did not come up with it, but it, I saw it on TikTok. And all you do, so if you have a if you have a beer can, you pop the top, you leave the little pull tab directly like vertical. You take your beer glass and kind of put it on the side of the can, so you can flip it, and the can doesn't go anywhere, and it just pours out, and it pours out some of the excess carbonation, but still you end up with a head to your beer. Unlike Mitch, who sees a beer glass and a beer can and goes, <laughs> I don't understand how this works, and then just dumps the entire can in right away, and it's all head, or he pours it, so, and I've seen you do this. You do this more in person. You pour a beer so slowly <laughs> that it's like, Jesus Christ, I'm going to die of thirst while you pour this beer. Well, I think my downfall is um, I watched too much Bar Rescue, and I, and I learned, I paid attention when they talked about how to pour the perfect gas, glass of Guinness, and I do that every time, and I think it only works with Guinness. <laughs> So now it doesn't need, sir. Yeah, you do not pour anything else actually in life that way. Um, but yeah, anyways, that's what we're drinking on. Um, no, this is you know what I'm wrong. So there, this is actually pretty good. And there's a thing that when when a beer company calls a beer, you know, like a summer beer or a summer this and that or a summer lager, I do forget that it actually has like a tartness dry flavor to it um that one i think it makes you want to drink more um so one i think it's that (laughs) um no but two i think that's a summer flavor is something a little bit drier a little bit more like tart on your palate Mm. um it's not it's not like as fruity um, it's not as like heavy on the, it's, it's real like summer beers tend to be like really heavy on the hops. I think I don't necessarily know why. Maybe that's the thing maybe, but it, I, I don't know. It kind of feels like summer. I don't, I don't know. I kind of incorporate more fruity beers with summer because you got the line and cougar, summer, shandy, lemon, bush, light peach. That's definitely a summer flavor. Um, Captain Morgan I think has their orange vanilla captain in the summers. Have you had that? That is delightful. No, I don't do liquor with flavors. Oh, it's so good though. <laughs> I, I I I mean I I I remember I I had a crown apple night uh or two and I I don't know. I just don't like liquor and flavor. Like or liquor and like fruit flavors. That's probably like, the I, correct response, but I'm like a basic bitch that I'm like, ooh, yeah, put some apples in my whiskey, please. Yeah. <laughs> you got any cotton candy back there? Yeah, yeah, right. Uh whiskey. Uh what do I want in whiskey? Uh apples, uh peanut butter, uh cinnamon. Uh <laughs> right. 
So I just want whiskey. What? I don't need this. I don't need my whiskey to taste like fucking Apple Jacks. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's understandable. <laughs> but no, you're right. I think it's one in the spectrum or or, uh, or the other. Mm-hmm. And and I love seltzers and especially summer seltzers. But God, I could drink like twenty of those fuckers, I'm, and I I'd never get drunk on them. I'm gonna be honest with you. I'm over the seltzers. It was like my yeah. summer drink like three years ago, but. That was new and fun and exciting, but after exactly. three summers of that, I'm like, okay, I I can't I can't drink another White Claw ever again. <laughs> well, yeah, what we started to realize is that White Claws were very very similar to Lacroix, yeah. where it was like it tastes kind of yeah. like it has <laughs> flavor ish. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's just, yeah, I don't know. Well, also the market just imploded right. with seltzers. Yeah, it just, it just fucking imploded. Yeah. Um, but anyways, enough about alcohol. This is a music podcast. Mitch, in the music world, what do you got to open us up with? Yeah, so um, I discovered something this week um, that I'm kind of like, I, I kind of want to talk it out. I'm still not sure what to think. It's very fresh for me. Um, Spotify has this thing now called AI DJ. Is this what that you thought a, I was going to talk about? A hundred percent what I thought you were going to talk yep, about. Yep. And I definitely, <laughs> I definitely have some thoughts. So, but, but tell us how did, how did you stumble uh, upon the uh, AI DJ? I honestly d- uh, stumbled upon it via a TikTok, um, which I, I'm, I, I'm kind of like stumbling upon a lot of things right, right now. I'm going through a TikTok phase, all right? But I think I after using it like three years, TikTok has finally understood that I, like all I really want to see is like stand-up comedy and like music. <laughs> and there's this one right. guy on TikTok that his channel is just full of like videos of just like, hey, here's a really cool indie song I like. And then he plays a little clip of the, and that's the video. And nine times out of 10, this dude's like song recommendation is amazing. So I've been, I found him on Spotify i've been listening to a lot of his his playlists it's fantastic but anyway that's not even the same guy there's a different guy that was talking about ai dj and i was like "Ooh, i need to look into this um so i had like a i drove to drove drove to wabash the other day and i thought hey you know what while i'm on the way i might as well see what this ai dj is all about and it crushed it my man so it's for for me it's like it started off playing this like uh kind of indie song that i liked like maybe six or seven years ago there was a fun song that it threw out at me it threw a weezer song out out there at me which i wasn't surprised about that but it was this weezer song off of like pacific daydream that i've never really heard i mean i've heard pacific daydream but it's not a song that i'd be like i i wouldn't even recognize it i couldn't tell you the name of the song but it was a good song and it totally fit the vibe of what it was playing um and it's just Hmm. gotten to the point where and i was listening to it a little bit today and it was like it played basically five songs in a row by this like country guy that I kind of listened to in like in shame just to kind of see if it was any good. And it wasn't, but I played it like one time and then the AI DJ was like, Hey, remember you listened to that one modern country song? Here's five more of that same dude. I'm like, no, this was supposed to be a secret. 
I didn't want anyone to know, but uh, you can't hide anything from Spotify, man. They know. Um, yeah. And sometimes the algorithm like works in your favor, and sometimes the algorithm's like, "Fucking no, that's not." <laughs> but anyway, I'm I'm kind of impressed by this AI DJ thing because, like I said, it it not only played songs that I like am familiar with and have played, but it also played songs that I am sure I really haven't really listened to a lot since before I had a Spotify account. Like there were songs on there that's like, "Oh yeah, I used to love this song back in." 2012 i wasn't using spotify in 2012 what the hell how does it know this <laughs> oh okay yeah i i haven't had quite that that intense of an experience it was pretty but... intense and and at the end of the day like I'm, I'm on the fence about it because here's what i think is dumb about it it's not really an ai dj it's basically just spotify knows what you listen to on a consistent basis and Correct. is making this kind of like novelty hey we're gonna allow you to listen to a you know your own custom radio uh radio station and it's basically just a guy saying like up next here's weezer or whatever like okay well you threw an ai voice in there and then played a weezer song that you know i like (laughs) yeah like just it's just your like for you playlists (laughs) yeah i i i pretty much agree that was my because i i i got shown this uh by uh by Aaron, he he actually showed it to me because we were hanging out and we were you know having a few drinks hanging out and he's like, well, cool, I'll just I'll give this thing a shot, and um, I yeah I don't I mean I think they're using AI because everyone's using AI right now because I don't know apparently nobody's seen the fucking Terminator dude but right. whatever, <laughs> um, so yeah like I do think it is ai but it's not doing anything that complicated it really is just using an algorithm that spotify probably already uses and they just do the ai voice how does it get your name right i don't think i've ever heard it try to say my name because i I saw that in the tech tech video but i that's not been my experience (laughs) it it definitely says my name in a way that's not a hundred percent (laughs) correct how does it say it well, it's like my name is pronounced Eli, mm-hmm. but it says like Eli. <laughs> oh, that's weird. <laughs> yeah, it says Eli, and I'm like, it's not how it's yeah. literally. Uh, yeah, I was like that. That's that's actually just wrong. Yeah, that's not how you pronounce <laughs> it. Um, but no. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's like my dad. It calls me Levi and shit. Um, that would be funny. It, like it just totally doesn't know your name. <laughs> right. um no yeah like i used it and i do like it because i do what i the thing that i like about it is you're totally right it's basically one big radio station for everything you listen to but i do like that it has that options hey if you don't like the vibe click on that little button and it will totally shift gears and that happened to me actually i was walking down to the gas station the other day on my way home from work I was like, I'm pick some stuff up. I'm gonna go home. I was like, let me give this a shot. Let me see. Let me see if this can actually AI into my vibe for the day. Well, it started out doing like nostalgic '90s music. That's a big part of my Mm -hmm. Spotify makeup right now. I was like, no, I don't want that. So I did that. You know what it started playing? Jazz. Hmm. Like, and not old jazz. Like new jazz artists. It was like, hey, check out these new jazz artists. See if you dig them. And then it just and I did. (laughs) <laughs> and it was awesome, right? And I was like, "What the? Okay, cool." <laughs> so like, and then by the time I got home, I was like, "Well, let me test it." So I did it again, and then it went like st- 
stoner uh fucking metal like stoner doom metal and i was like okay this is kind of dope and it was playing stuff i knew and stuff i didn't Uh uh-huh yeah so it was kind of like alternating between the two and i was like okay i kind of can't knock this because like this is actually accomplishing what i've been wanting spotify to do all the time because one of my favorite things to do is hop on the on repeat playlist Mm -hmm. that it generates for you just skip a bunch because if you listen to the playlist all the way through, it will just try to get stuff that fits that playlist. Okay. And I find a lot of bands that way because it will just be like, you know, or I'll find a really good song by a band I already like that yeah. I haven't really heard yet. Mm-hmm. Um, so I kind of, I I have to like fuck with Spotify to get it to try to come up with new music yeah, for me. Yeah, gotcha. And I was just talking the other day, I was playing games with the boys and I was like, I don't do Discover Weekly. I don't like it. It feels like way too curated. Yeah, me too. But they never mm. really give me anything all that interesting. Like, I discover more music by just letting a playlist that's only an hour long run for eight hours right. because Spotify will just <laughs> yeah. it will dig deep mm-hmm. to to find music to play. One thing I've been doing lately, and kind of how I've been treating Spotify as is more of like a social aspect. And I really wish they could like do do more with the social aspect besides like following friends and like seeing what they're listening to. Um, Cause I, I personally really enjoy that. I think, I think it's fun to be like, Oh, that guy he's listening. I love that band. That's awesome. And then I've done this be- with you before I've texted you like, Oh man, I didn't know you liked this band or whatever, but I've also found like, content creators like musicians or musicians that i know of and I'll, I'll just have the thought like oh i wonder if they like have a spotify account do they have public playlists that i could maybe go and listen to their playlists i did that with uh. quest love um i found this new guy on tiktok that way and i can go and listen to his playlists and like again because knowing he has an insanely good taste in music like i'm i'm blown away some of it you know it's not all good but um it's really fun for me because you know obviously i love making playlists um but a combination of the ai dj and then this new guy that i found via tiktok um i've discovered a lot of new music that i'm putting on like my own personal playlists that it's just like oh i wouldn't have even known the song had i not ventured to this guy's page um so I want to yeah. do that more. I want to find more people whose, like, musical tastes I respect and, like, just see what kind of playlists they're making. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, like, a that's a really interesting idea. One I, yeah, quite, quite frankly, have just, like, never, ever thought of um, to do. Like, follow somebody, you know, that you enjoy out of comedy or an actor or, mm-hmm. or a musician and, and actually see what playlists they do. So Yeah, I follow Questlove. I randomly found, like, one of the guys from the Try Guys um, that I, I follow him now, and he has a decent taste in music, so... <laughs> Which one? Uh, Zach, weirdly enough, because he's not my favorite Try Guy, but he's got a good taste in music. No, I get that. Zach <laughs> is definitely, like, the artsy, nerdy... Like, I see that. Like, he's yeah. he's kind of the alternative one, which is hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, no, that's... Yeah, that's that's very true. I... um. No, that makes sense because he's. I've I've noticed that if you're into one thing, like if you're into like because he's he's really into movies. That's yeah. his thing. He's <laughs> obsessed with movies, and a lot of you know his big try guy stuff typically involves like him directing or doing yeah. a movie thing. If you're really into movies, you're going to be really nerdy about music. Yeah. You're going to listen to <laughs> really weird shit. Um, but no, that's really cool. Well, now it does have the blend, which mm-hmm. every now and then actually comes in clutch. Me and Charlotte don't know what to listen to. Put on our blend. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
she's happy 50% of the time, I'm happy 50% of the time. Yeah. That's what marriage is. <laughs> right. So, you know, but every now and then I'll check out our blend and just see what pops up. I haven't and... been on in there in a while. Now, our blend is a little useless because we have the What You Crank It playlist. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> and um, But that playlist you're never getting to the end of. It's like a 10-hour playlist, <laughs> right. I think. Now. You're never getting to the end of that fucking thing. Um, but I, I do have to be honest, man. The What You Crank It playlist, it is totally jumbled all over the fucking place. But it can slap. Yeah. Because <laughs> it, it's just you literally have no idea what you will hear next. <laughs> right. Which is my favorite part of that. So if anybody hasn't, go check out the What You Crank and Playlist. Because I have to be honest with you, it is a journey. It is way too long. <laughs> yeah, but, but we're not stopping And it's that. only going to keep getting longer. It's a chronicling of all the the music we felt like talking about towards our What You Crank and uh, portion of the podcast. If you don't know, we've collaborated it into a, like, a 10-hour playlist because we've been doing this podcast for so long. <laughs> yeah, it's like four years of What You Crank. <clears throat> yeah. And, and every, every What You Crank and we've done, I mean, at least from my memory, it's is in that is in that playlist yeah (laughs) so i mean it is a fucking lot um but yeah check that out if you really if you really want to get into it Uh, (laughs) i thought that was the big one (laughs) all right now we're back okay we're back yeah there we go i was trying to catch you off guard um all right minus a little beer spillage i had to clean that up um, anyways, yeah, so that's how we feel. Oh, okay, so I guess we didn't really get to an end on that. So let, let's maybe wrap that up. Are you pro the AI DJ or against the AI DJ? Uh, I'm both. I'm pro because, you know, I always use, I, I love using Spotify to find new music. Um, that's pretty much the best thing for me. And I have done that. There's definitely been a few songs that popped up on the AI DJ that's like, oh, I forgot about this one. Or like, I didn't even know this and it's fantastic and I'm adding it and, and I'm adding it to one of my playlists. The only thing I can't get behind yet is that I don't really see how it's AI. Um, I mean, Spotify has a thousand different playlists that they recommend for you based on what you've been listening to every week. Um, so just the fact that they're doing this voice of a guy saying like, "Hey, Mitch, you're gonna like this one," I it's not it's not different. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I don't want to get into an AI conversation because um, I, I, I actually I did this uh, hanging out with Aaron and it got very deep. I'm terrified of what it could become. Absolutely. Um, yeah. But I kind of stood behind, and I do still think this is every time you have AI try to make music, it doesn't. It doesn't work. Like when AI yeah. tries to do art, they'll get really close, but you could just tell that it's AI. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of people believe that eventually it will get to that place where it could just do everything and anything better than us. Mm-hmm. I I don't know if that to me to me. Unless I see it, it's going to remain sci-fi mm-hmm. because I, I don't think it ever will. I don't think it can actually replicate the human brain because the human brain is inherently flawed. Yeah. We mm-hmm. we have inherent flaws, and when you do AI, it kind of doesn't, right? So I, yeah. I I don't think we'll ever get there, um, but, you know, I, I'm, I'm actually kind of – like if AI can actually benefit – something like Spotify and actually do music mm-hmm. curation because that's one of the hardest things to 
follow is just how i mean there's so there's literally an endless supply of music in the world right and you can never listen to it all so if we did have ai Mm. as like an assistant to help us like refine down and listen to the things that one we have like our that align with our taste um but as your taste grows and evolves and changes because it does really hard with music if ai could actually assist that that would be amazing that means that there's people that would have never had a shot because they made good music they just weren't big yeah. uh mm-hmm. you know they could they could actually have no notoriety and make a living off music because now we're hearing it yeah. because ai has curated something to align right could be pretty mm-hmm. cool could be pretty cool yeah that's how i feel about it but we'll see i was very anti it when i first heard it but then i was like okay it's kind of just doing an algorithm this isn't really ai <laughs> Right. I, I would be curious <laughs> to hear Spotify's stance on, on it, but um, but it's also just starting, so maybe over time it will become more evolved. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a little scary, a little interesting, but I, I gotta I gotta dip my toe a little bit into it. Right. And I don't wanna make this whole episode about AI, but um they're already starting to use it in some like kind of music technology. Uh, aspects. Um, so, for example, uh, I've told you about the like Serato stems thing. I'm pretty sure that that's kind of based off of AI technology. They used it to basically separate the stems from a specific song, and then basically anytime you've well, uh, you know, it may not be Serato. It was uh, Isotope um, oh. definitely did that for their stem separation, where they basically like there's going to be so pr- pretty much before like last year. Anytime you want to take a song and separate the stems, like the guitar tracks, the drum tracks, vocals it's not going to be a hundred percent right because there's going to be these little artifacts that are just impossible to remove. Whereas I'm pretty sure Isotope was the first one to be like, okay, well we're going to like see if we can train AI to listen to this and just automatically make assumptions and fill in what they think, what it thinks like the bass part is and what it thinks the drum part is. Um, So that it's, it's being used there. And then it's also being used in um, amp modeling already um there's companies out there that are starting to work on like pedals that um you can model your own amps and download other people's amps somehow using ai i have to do a little bit more research on this but you don't actually have to model your amp you it kind of just knows what your amp is supposed to sound like (laughs) um it's all very new so i might i I don't want to sound like a dumbass but no i could see it because i think with amp manufacturing and and also i think a lot of it comes down to numbers and the number one thing that ai could definitely do is get the numbers right so Mm -hmm. like if you look at like the impedance on an amp and how it does everything i think a computer can do that pretty reasonably well at least emulate it i what i Mm -hmm. don't think ai can do at least not yet is come up with a new thing that works and sounds good and functions exactly i I don't think so that's where we're on now that's that that's kind of the same coin as like you can use ai to uh accomplish these specific tasks right now however I think writing a song from the ground up, um, writing an episode of a TV show, there's just, I, I don't foresee that happening. I mean, if, and I don't foresee it happening well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I mean, maybe in three years, I'll listen to the, listen to this and our AI overlords will, will laugh in yeah. your face. But <laughs> <laughs> what, what if we just started using chat GPT to write podcast episodes like what if we just thought about it yeah had it listened to the entirety of our podcast and oh that okay 
We might need to look into this. <laughs> I would love to have an AI listen to the entirety of Two Friends, Vinyl Frontier, the whole shebang. Oh, yeah. Listen to it and then have it write an episode. I would love to that see. That would be fantastic. I would yeah. love to see 20-minute <laughs> rants about... <laughs> Random and then bit. we won't even we'll and then we'll go and we'll record it and we won't tell anyone that it's written by AI and we'll see if they notice. Yeah, yeah. Also, <laughs> apparently, people are getting really mad at that. By the way, because pl- plenty of people have done that, where they'll be like, "We'll try to get AI to write an episode," uh, you know, like a YouTube video or something, and they'll get to yeah. the end and be like, "Guess what? AI did write this episode," and apparently, that's really pissing people off. Huh. Yeah, to to the point that now a lot of people are like, I'm not I'm not doing the thing where at the end this is AI. Like I keep hearing it over and over again, and it's like apparently yeah. people that really bothers people. Apparently, interesting. Yeah. Th- well, you remember I tried to use AI to make our album artwork for our podcast. Well, you <laughs> and by that I mean I spent about a day like typing different things into that AI art generator, right? And I was. I was almost about to go with one, but then I realized, like, man, I don't love any of these, and I've been doing this for about a day. I think I'm just gonna like actually sit down and Photoshop this. <laughs> well, yeah, but didn't you use what it created as the base for what you photoshopped? Um, yeah, kind of. Yeah, it, it was basically a rough idea. I was like, oh, that that looks kind of cool. Maybe I'll do this, but I'll do it this way, and I'm just gonna create it from the ground up. Well, I mean, admittedly, it's kind of wild, though, that it inspired you to then create, yeah, you know, to take those ideas and to make your own. I mean, that's uh, I, I think I texted you when you finally because I love the logo for the Vinyl Frontier. Sweet. Yeah, I, I think it's awesome. I'm in love with it. I don't want to change it. I think it's even better than like the two friends, three questions logo. But it's kind of crazy that AI at least helped you get from point A to point B. Right. Yeah, that is a, a very new thing. <laughs> Um, but okay, enough about AI. That's not, yeah, not why we're here. Um, okay, Mitch. So today we are doing our, our second album deep dive, which we should do more of these, by the way. We should. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I, and I actually had a lot of fun with this one, but you, you had an album that you wanted me to listen to by a band that you wanted me to listen to. Yes. Um, so, and, uh, and we did, and we're going to talk about it. So please Give us the intro. Tell us, tell us what will we be discussing today? Yeah. So, um, in sitting down and trying to think about a album that I wanted to force you to listen to, um, I know you and I have never seen really eye to eye on U2. So I knew it was going to be that. And then I kind of kept going back and forth about which album I want to make you listen to. But I, I genuinely, I didn't want this to be like a chore for you. I wanted you to like, I wanted it to be hopefully and we'll see fairly easy for you to find something good to say about it so i decided on a pretty unpopular album if you're a youtube fan you might not might you will say like well why the fuck did you pick that um and the album i'm talking about is um rattle and hum which is a weird choice because it's a like compilation slash live album um from 1988 um if you don't know it was put out at the same time this like documentary kind of rockumentary if you will about the band came out and um there's not really there's maybe two or three new songs on it the rest is just covers um uh kind of alternative re-recordings of u2 songs um and then some 
uh, and then some hits. Like maybe there, there are a couple hits on it from uh, Joshua Tree um, and that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, I guess the reason I I thought you might list, like this one to start off with is because number one, it has the hits. It's gonna have some songs, you know. Right. Um. It's got it. Yeah. It's got a street with no name. Um. No, it doesn't. It has. Uh. Still haven't found what I'm looking for. Um. From Joshua Tree. Um. It, but then it also has some like. Okay. And then so you two fans don't love this album, and the reason is interesting. I'll get into this right now. It's kind of a pretentious album. I am going to be the first to say it because I know you were probably going to say it. <laughs> um, it is their kind of like homage to American rock music. Obviously, U2 is from Dublin, Ireland. Um, and then right, around, right after the Joshua Tree, which if you kind of like look at the Joshua Tree, it's a... It's their attempt at making a Bruce Springsteen album. I'll say it. They're have they have these kind of like vague, generic. Um, oh, like imagery. references to, yeah, vague generic imagery references to the desert and America, oh, okay. and it's almost like someone from YouTube was like, "Hey, we want you to be more popular in the states. Can you write an album about a country that you've never lived in?" And they were like, "Yeah, we'll do it." So. They basically listened to Bruce Springsteen and they were like, well, he talks about, you know, picket fences and freedom. Let's do that. Yeah. Cars. Um, and again, Joshua Tree is one of my favorite albums by you 2 um, So anyway, I feel like I'm rambling a little bit. The reason I picked this album is because it was right after that. So they're kind of on their like blues uh, folk slash gospel kick. Right. Um, which I thought was kind of weird. This is an homage to american roots music um and it's very like blues uh heavy kind of they say it's blues heavy but it's not (laughs) okay that that actually that context kind of helps explain what this was a little bit more Mm -hmm. um i did have a little bit of confusion a little bit like a small amount like I, i i i was really i when i did sit down to listen to this i took it um full bore I was like, just whatever this is, I'm going to absorb it. I'm going to mm-hmm. hear it. I did a lot of active listening. I did a lot of passive listening. Um, I did only listen to it once. I didn't really get to go back to it. Also, the mm. album's over an hour long, and we're going to get into yeah, that. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that that does kind of help uh, extrapolate what they were kind of doing here. So that that does actually give me a little bit better context. And actually, looking back at the track list, I mean, yeah, they're 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 tapping into blues, Americana, uh, deeper. Actually, yeah, that actually explains a lot because there's a couple doo-wop style songs on this. Oh yeah, there there's a couple okay. that have a doo-wop s structure. Gotcha. Uh, that admittedly, I didn't love. <laughs> but with that context that kind of fleshes it out a little bit for me okay cool well yeah and i and i'm not gonna say that i regret like you know choosing this album for you to, to listen to but i think without the context it doesn't make as much sense because when i picked it out i was like okay well there's some covers i mean it's got a beatles cover i know you like the beatles um it's got a bob dylan slash hendrix cover all along the watchtower i know you like them but then it's also got some songs that you've probably heard of by them it's not going to be a whole bunch of like you know random u2 songs but now in hindsight i probably should have made you listen to random u2 songs <laughs> well that's you know it's i i mean an album deep dive is just that we're getting into the album we're exploring the album and what the album is and 
and all that. So um, I, I kind of like that you picked one that isn't universally loved by YouTube fans. I think that's kind of interesting because, um, yeah, that kind of like paints a totally different picture on this. Um, but yeah, I, um, okay, well, let me go ahead. If, if you're okay with it, I'll go ahead and give you my little report on how I, yeah, felt. sure. Please. Cause I, I have a lot of bullet points. Well, not a lot. I have a few, <laughs> but we'll just start with overall how I felt. Basically overall, I liked it. I liked it. I had a good time with it. There was YouTube songs that I knew there was covers that I liked there mm-hmm. was other songs that I didn't know. Um, some of them I liked, some of them I didn't love. Um, sure. But overall, as an impression of an album, I kind of had fun with it. And I had a lot of takeaways that we can get into. Cool. Yeah. Oh, and then real quick, another reason I, that I wanted you, you to listen to this one in particular is because... Um, it's a, it's it's like it's like a half a live album, half a studio album. There's a lot of live cuts on here, which again is probably a weird choice. But me personally, I love live albums, especially when you're trying to discover a band for the first time. Because number one, it's gonna have their handpicked selection of what they think their best songs are. Usually, they they pick you know what the crowd wants to hear. Um, so don't bore us. Get to the chorus. All killer, no filler. Um, right. Number two is um, you can actually hear kind of the crowd noise and them interact with the crowd and get energized by the crowd, which I love. You two at their core, and I've told you this before is a live band it you know it it's a seeing them live and like actually play together is a totally different context than when you hear a song on the radio and you're on your way to work and in a bad mood um they just don't even compare so i wanted you to have a little bit of that kind of like live aspect without actually having to watch a video of them live (laughs) yeah no i think um that was one of the things i really liked about this I enjoyed that I didn't really understand what the hell this album was. Yeah. And then the last <laughs> song played, and I was like, that was weird. But <laughs> yes. but bands don't do this now. Right. And probably haven't for a long time. And I, and I guess to various degrees, it may or may not work. I mean, you're telling me that like U2 fans universally don't hate this album, but wouldn't consider it. Yeah, they don't it. hate it. This album sold really well. It had a you know it had a lot of sales, but if you, in hindsight, if you ask a twenty twenty three U two fan, and there are dozens of us, <laughs> um, they will probably say that this is one of their weaker weaker albums. <laughs> sure, and I can't, and I honestly can understand that explanation. Um, but yeah. weirdly enough, I liked it because I kind of never fucking knew what was going to happen next. Is it going to be a live song? Is it going to be a studio song? Is it just going to be an excerpt from a song that's not fucking theirs? <laughs> right. Like the song they did with BB King is a BB King song. Yeah. I I know the BB King version of that because I fucking mm-hmm. love BB King and it's just Bono singing on the fucking song. Yeah. It's a BB King song. And then I can't remember if this was in the actual album or if this was just on the documentary that I watched a little bit of last night to kind of refresh. But there's one song in the middle of one song. Bono just goes, pleased to meet you. Oh, forget my name. And I was like, that's the Rolling Stones. But then he never actually does any more of that Rolling Stones song. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I think that happened to me. And I was like, what the fuck is going on? 
Uh, they also <laughs> just have part of the Star Spangled Banner from Woodstock that Jimi Hendrix did yep. for like, I don't know, 30 <laughs> seconds. And they just move right on. That's right. kind of a fucking power move. <laughs> like, we're going to take your shit, right. put it on our album. <laughs> exactly. Because I have a vision, man. I'm Bono, baby. <laughs> But I was like, that's kind of fucking dope, actually. That's kind of a fucking power move. You can do that? Absolutely, right? Like, like I write an album, and the middle of my album is just the entirety of Dark Side, and then it just <laughs> keeps going. It's like, whoa, this is weird. Um, so, uh, okay, well, I'm going to go ahead and hit you with my thoughts. Yeah, go, go okay. for it. So uh, my first note is uh, so this is actually th- this was and I do, I'm not being hyperbolic. So, can we can we take can we take a little break here for a second? Oh, are you gonna Just, try your? I, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna rudely interrupt you for like 30 seconds because I I, I got a new beer and I gotta try okay. this. Okay, all right. So you stick the tab straight up. No, no and then you no, place. No, no, no. So the lip of your glass needs to go under the um. Stop. <laughs> It needs it, it needs to be like this. So the lip of your glass needs to Oh, okay, okay. okay. So when you when you flip it, it's gonna pour I just got beer everywhere. Oh, okay. You okay. see what I'm saying? You got yeah, it. Yeah, you got yeah, it. Okay. I yep, you got it. And then just flip just it. flip it. Okay. Be ready to grab the can. Oh shit. Fuck, fuck, fuck. It's pouring way too fast. No, 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 you're fine. Oh my god. Oh no, god uh, I had to stop it. There was too much head, I had to stop. Uh, I shouldn't have though, because uh, yeah, that's actually it works pretty well though. Look at that. See, that's the thing. And I didn't spill very much, so you have to commit, <laughs> and as you do it, you get used to it. But that pull tab will let you down. So when you flip it, you kind of have to be. It it works the best on a flat surface where you just put it down on like a countertop. Mm-hmm. It works so much better. But when you do that, because there's. So that's the whole thing with pouring a beer. The can does it for you. That's the whole point of that. Because like how you shotgun a beer, you do that. And once you have that airflow, it just pushes the liquid out. Mm -hmm. If you don't have that, it's doing what you're doing by just pouring the beer, but in a better way. Because there's lapses. (laughs) I I have watched actually quite a few videos about it. Because you keep the carbonation you need, but you get rid of the excess carbonation that you don't need. Yeah. It's okay. But yeah. yeah. But no, yeah, you, you, you'll get it. You'll get there. I liked that. Yeah, no, that was, uh, that was enjoyable and I did pretty well. So yeah, sorry. Okay. Back to you. Feel free to add uh, all that out. I don't care. Leaving it all in. Cause I'm too lazy. Um, this was the very first U2 album that I listened to all the way through. Not hyperbolic. Okay. I'm not exaggerating. Mm-hmm. Total hundred percent truth. Um, my first takeaway, Bono kind of got that dog in him he's kind of mad through a little bit of this right like he yeah absolutely this was the first time i really heard bono and especially on those live tracks get pretty like ragey like they're screaming that i was impressed by so he and i they didn't even include this in the album but i read this on the wikipedia page um so it says hours before the second Denver performance, an IRA bomb killed 11 people at a Remembrance Day ceremony in the northern Irish town of Inniskillen. 
Um, so during a performance of Sunday Bloody Sunday, which again is not on this album, unfortunately, um, which appears on the film, Bono condemned the violence in a furious mid-song rant in which he yelled, fuck the revolution. Oh, wow. And they chose not to include it on the album. Wow. But yeah, man, like I know Bono gets a lot of shit because he's always too political, but like, yeah, that's kind of his thing and it always has been. So where have you been? Well, okay. <laughs> so about that. Well, my second note when I'm, it, well, it was my third note, coincidentally. But I did say okay. I forgot how political U2 was. I have the complete opposite Ooh. stance. I forgot that they were actually political. <laughs> okay. Well, because, like, if you're from Ireland, and obviously I'm not speaking like I am or I really understand it, Ooh. but the the IRA to, to Southern Ireland conflict is very complicated, very violent, yeah. and very messy. And, and U2 formed out of that conflict in Ireland. And the IRA is very scary. I mean, it is full-blown domestic terrorism. And the people that are a part of the IRA are fucking deep in it, man. I mean, it's not a... I mean, it is a revolution. It's it's not a half-measure type of thing. I mean, it is Mm -hmm. domestic terrorism across that country. And what they truly believe is right. And... um, you know the and i i i don't want to say i support it because that's not accurate i'm so ignorant i listen to a lot of music of people who support the ira right yeah <laughs> um i i i i truly do not actually know enough about it by any means Mm-hmm. But through shows and movies and music, I've seen the conflict, and U2 was born out of that. And those guys, like, I watched one documentary on U2, and it did give me a lot of respect for them, at least at, at least at that time, um, because they're they're fucking cool people. Like, they don't they don't have interest in the violence. They don't want the IRA to be a thing. I I would guarantee you, if you ask Bono about why the IRA exists and does he agree with them? I feel like he would be conflicted because I think he would understand why the IRA exists, but I know that he would have a moral, uh, an extreme moral objection of the Mm -hmm. violence that they carry out. And I, you know, and I would probably identify with that. Um, I, I was, I, I was kind of, he, he went on a rant about apartheid during this that it all at once I thought was the coolest fucking thing and the lamest fucking thing. <laughs> because I don't really know if like rock and roll was like, fuck apartheid, dude. Yeah. <laughs> but it is because apartheid is fucked up. And Bono was saying that. He was telling us. And my favorite part, he went on this giant rat rant. I don't remember what song it he does the apartheid. Th- I want to say it's Bullet in the Blue Sky. Oh, okay. Bullet the Blue Sky from the Joshua Tree Yeah, album. Bullet the Blue Sky. Yeah. I want to say it's that song. It may have been another song. I'm not sure. But I, he did this cool thing where he got to the end. He was like, oh, am I sorry? Am I bugging you? All right, I won't bug <laughs> yeah. you. And then they go back to, oh, no. And he says, Edge, play the blues. And I was like, that was kind of fucking dope. That was kind of cool. <laughs> This was in the middle of silver and gold because I wrote that down. My takeaway was, I think I was doing some passive listening at this time because I kind of missed the whole apartheid rant, but I did hear him say, okay, Edge, play the blues. And then I wrote down, the Edge breaks down into the most non-blues mediocre guitar (laughs) solo I've ever heard. (laughs) 
that reminded me a lot of that Sublime song when he's like, I can play guitar. the guitar, mugga, motherfucking, yeah, right. right. And then just the worst yeah. guitar beep, solo. Beep, 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 beep. I mean, it's a good guitar solo, but that ain't fucking blues. <laughs> well, I enjoyed that because that was Bono basically saying, like, I... I I don't know if he wrote that or he took it in the moment. Either way, I'm pretty okay with it because I feel like he's getting to the end of saying something important. I was like, oh, I'm sorry. Am I boring you? Edge, Mm -hmm. just keep playing fucking guitar. And I was like, okay, that's kind of dope. That's kind of dope for probably the biggest rock and roll band at the time. Absolutely. To be like, oh, I'm sorry, are we boring you for talking about things that are important? Like, I guess let's play yeah. the fucking guitar. <laughs> and I, I'm not gonna lie, I was kind of like, ah, that was that was that was kind of dope. I'd steal that. Ass. That was so dope. I <laughs> I would do that. Yeah. So Bono, I'm 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 conflicted on because sometimes he says shit that is like, in my opinion, equivalent sometimes better than the actual music because like that one time we saw him i've told you about this because i'll never fucking forget it um like the song ended and he was just like all right thanks a lot remember uh the church is not built with hands and then they went into like this other song and that's all he said and i'm sitting there thinking like my man you you just said that's the most that, that's one of the most insane, like amazing, well thought out thing I've ever said that I've ever heard. And you said it as like a throwaway comment without any context. And so the entire next song, I'm just like thinking about how brilliant that was. I'm like, oh, yeah, the church is not a building. We are the church. Yeah, this is awesome. That's really cool. Like I could I could go on and on about how but he didn't like <laughs> so he says shit like that. And then he says at the very beginning, before this album even starts, before they go into Helter Skelter, the very first song, he says, this is a song Charles Manson stole from the Beatles and we're here to take it back, which I think is hilarious because he probably should have said, we're going to take it back and give it to the Beatles. (laughs) But no, he was just like, no, it's fucking ours now. (laughs) We wrote this song. (laughs) I kind of weirdly like kind of love Bono during this album because he's just kind of didn't give a fuck right like oh absolutely. He, he's just saying shit that pops in his head and it's cool and it's impactful and he's like fuck you charles manson also slight fuck you to the beatles we're gonna do helter skelter <laughs> and i'm like that's that's pretty cool that's pretty fucking ballsy yeah. um <laughs> Oh man, that's funny. I had the same thought. He, but but I thought it was cool because yeah, Char- Charles Manson definitely did hijack Helter Skelter, um, to to yeah. to a pretty obnoxious degree. But also, I just want to say, like, and again, I'm conflicted because I absolutely love Bono. I, I've been on record to say Bono is Jesus. He's a modern day Jesus Christ, uh, and I'll go to my grave thinking that. Um, <laughs> but it's not like he's saying it's not like he's always saying the most groundbreaking shit like oh yeah fuck charles manson is anybody in that crowd going like well actually um (laughs) that is the issue with bono when people say that bono is pretentious and kind of a douchebag that's why (laughs) because he's not actually saying anything all that challenging i remember in the early aughts when they were doing albums like How to Dismantle an Atomic Bomb in that era of U2, 
we were so fucking tired of them already because they were like, yeah. hey, I don't know if you guys know, but kids in Ethiopia don't have food. And we're like, yeah, we know, dude. You make millions of dollars. Maybe give them some. I, what do you want right. me to do? I work at fucking Walmart. That's kind of the issue with Bono. I, I think that that's the actual issue with Bono. Um, but with that being said, on that big of a platform, I would rather him say fucking something. You know, as opposed to like yeah. just like, well, I'm going to be in a Chevy commercial or... Uh, oh, is it Pride Month? Yeah, I'll show up to the you know to a little commercial I'm Ooh. gonna do. I would rather. I don't know, man. This album kind of flipped me on you two. It's it's not that I want to listen to all their music, but I do have a different kind of respect for them because to to inherently put politics into your music, you inherently will have criticism like you said they're gonna play helter skelter and be like fuck charles manson and and they're it, like is there gonna be somebody who's like well honestly yeah <laughs> especially in 2023 there will be somebody who thinks that they understand <laughs> it better and they're gonna explain to you at a party when you're alone in the corner and they're gonna corner you <laughs> when you're trying just trying to get a beer and they're gonna tell you how charles manson really was just like schizophrenic so we really can't blame him and yeah. you know what I mean? Like someone <laughs> will go on that diatribe. So Ooh. I kind of respect that Bono is just like, yeah, little African children should have food. And it's like, well, yeah, we don't disagree. <laughs> <laughs> but I respect the fact that he's just willing to just like fucking die on the hill about it. Right. And I'm like, <laughs> I kind of have respect for that because it's like, yeah, Bono, you're none of us are disagreeing with you but there was a part of me during the album when he would when he would go when they would touch on these political ideologies and i kind of felt like bono was kind of like what are you doing about it and that kind of hit me a little bit in uh -huh. in, in in context of this album now when he has like three thousand dollar sunglasses on and does this <laughs> i kind of laugh at it but I'm like, I don't know, though. I I mean, he's, he's fucking trying. He's doing mm -hmm. something. Hey, we're in a really big band. Y'all want to hear a beautiful day? You want to hear it? Let me tell you about apartheid. You know, like, <laughs> right. It's like, well, we got to listen to apartheid. And obviously, I'm not, he's, he's done so much actual, like, good shit for the world that I'm not even going to get into. Obviously, sure. he's really philanthropic. He really does donate his money, not all of it. Um, but he plays, you know, shows for free that he doesn't have to. He's, he's a genuinely good dude that actually does care about, um, you know, civil rights and all of the things that he's claiming to care about. So I, I just wanted to go on record to say that. Sure. But also, I, I completely get it. It can be a little, like, preachy well i think when you're liberal and have money it's kind of harder to take that particular yeah. per Be because i do think bono does live with an ideology of like well if we fix a we'll fix b we can work together we'll fix c and then we'll be in a utopia and i mm. think there's people like me that are like cynics or realist or pessimist however yeah. you want to put it that's just like that's all fine and dandy dude but we're not like we're mm -hmm. never going to be that we'll never end racism we'll never truly get there we'd like to think we will 
but we never we never will. Yeah. We we can have a higher bar of a standard of everyday normal living and how we treat each other, but we will truly never stomp out that deep seated racism in American culture because our country was founded on slavery and the backs of black people. Right. Yeah. And you know what? I'm going to give it up to you two for even letting us have this conversation because I went way deeper than I ever <laughs> meant it to be. Yeah, see, there it is. But that's that's kind of what they do. Edge puts on the beanie, Bono puts on the shades, Ooh. and then all of a sudden we're like, dude, America, right? Yeah. <laughs> um. <laughs> wow. Okay. Yeah, we – yeah. Well, I did. I went off on a tangent. Um, but yeah, no, we talked about a lot of things. Uh, one of my other note points, I think there are some bands that want to make something really original and unique and don't care at all what people think. Then there are bands that want to be the biggest band in the world so they can actually say something and have that platform. And I think I finally have realized U2 is that band. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with that. I don't think they wanted to be indie. I don't think they wanted to ever play a small stage with how good of a live band they are. I think that was always their goal. I think they wanted to be the biggest rock band in the world to do something like Rattle and Hum, which is a little bit self-indulgent, but it's self-indulgent to be be a way where it's like, well, if you're still listening and you get to silver and gold, I'm going to talk about Apartheid. That's like track 12 yeah. or something. Like it's mm. deep into the album. Right. Well, they've always been really good about, um, and I, and I'm falling right into their hands, but, um, and this is the reason some people hate them. Um, because a lot of the songs sound manufactured or insincere. Um, and from, from, from a standpoint wow. where like Bono and the edge, they're really, really good at, forcing this atmosphere and forcing this mood um where they can move a crowd to feel one way and then five minutes later they can move a crowd to feel this way and they know they have the power to do this and i think that's what's so personally uh multiple levels powerful about their songwriting um they 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 create these rock anthems at times that everybody is singing along to and like the best most catchy melodies um where you just feel fucking badass. It's it's literally it's a rock anthem. It's a it's a ballad that is just it, it's just powerful. And then they go into these other like very dynamic. That's a good word for it. It's very dynamic stuff. Parts of this album, like I wrote down, um, they go in they go from Helter Skelter. Next song on the album, Van Diemen's Land, which I never really liked because I was thought it was kind of boring. But then after I listened to it again today, I was like, oh, this is actually pretty freaking it's cool. about it's fucking like a gospel. unions like it's about worker you <laughs> workers rights exactly but they do it in a way that is this slow kind of like gospel type i don't uh, think they wrote that song buddy you don't think no so? i think that's like an old i i think that's an old folk song i don't think they wrote that it could be well because and also it's not bono singing it's the edge singing that one right Oh, I didn't even I didn't even catch that. You probably I right. could be totally wrong, but I think it's <laughs> I I don't think it's Bono singing. I think it's the Edge singing on that one. Okay. Well, and I could be wrong um, about them not writing it. Like I, I I was just saying the way the chord structure. It's like you said. Yeah, it actually is gospel. It's like a gospel folk chord progression. I I actually just immediately mm-hmm. assumed they didn't write it, and it was like a an old 
song that they heard like their parents sing and yeah, and, yeah. and they covered that to put it on the album um but and it could but, be but what were you I, I i guess i was just gonna say i i think i kind of know where you're going like to your point that is what's so interesting about this album and you two in general is like, yeah, here's a cover of Helter Skelter, and then we're gonna sing a song about fucking workers, you know, unions, yeah. basically. <laughs> yeah. And then also like lyrical content aside, just the musical content is so multifaceted where it's it's badass and you feel amazing and you turn on the radio and you're like, it is a beautiful day, Bono. You're right. And then the very next song, you're like, Oh, this is very somber and I'm in it right now. And actually um, one thing that I wrote down when I was listening to Van Diemen's land and I was hearing everyone singing along in the, in the crowd, I was like, this is the closest I've experienced to church since I kind of stopped going to church about five, six years ago. Um, and, and, and I don't know if that says something about you two or the church where everything is so elevation worship. We're going to manipulate your emotions and get you to feel this certain way. But I mean, it's fucking effective. <laughs> all right. You okay? Yeah, no, that was, you're not going to speak to that at that all. That was a stance. <laughs> Probably the wrong. Stance. Well, well, that's not what we do here. Well, right and wrong are not words we use. That's true. I mean, it's just, I guess, my personal opinion. There are yeah, certain yeah. churches out there, I've seen it, where the the worship aspect is so overproduced and manipulative that there have been conversations where, like, oh, yeah, we should keep the church at 65 degrees because if it's a little colder, people will feel goosebumps. And that, you know, is, you know, that might think that they might think that it's the Holy Spirit and, like, no, it's actually just cold in here. Um, I have not heard it go that deep, <laughs> but I would totally believe it. Yeah. I mean, I've heard conversation. I've never been a part of a conversation like that, fortunately, but I've heard that it happens. <laughs> sure. I mean, I've watched so many fucking documentaries at this point. Like, I just, me and the wife just watched the documentary on the Duggars. And. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, yeah. Um, oh man, where do I even want to go from here? Yeah, what what do you have? Do you have something? I I was just gonna kind of like try try to drive the point home. Um, in that worship aside, I'm not gonna pick a pick an argument with worship music. Well, in no, general. well, say how you feel, but I think I think that there are many people out there that don't go to church that seeing and listening to you two and music and dynamics like that is the closest they will get to worshiping with other people. All I've said this before <laughs> back in my Christian days, all music is worship music. It just depends on what you're worshiping. And I kind of thought, John you know, Foreman. when I first heard that I was like, <laughs> I'm pretty sure it was yeah, John yeah, Foreman actually. John and then there was a time in my life where I was like, oh, that's really cool. I like that. And then there was another time in my life I was like, well, that's embarrassing. But now I've turned the page and I'm like, you know what? I think he's kind of right. Uh, <laughs> uh, and I'm on the other side of that right now. But again, if you have these, you know, it, these quote unquote secular people at a YouTube concert, they're not worshiping Jesus. They're worshiping each other and community and ourselves. And yeah, 
and I, and I think that's equally as powerful. Well, yeah, I mean, it, and it even gets more common where you could be from any walk of life and believe in whatever God you want to believe in. And, you know, when, you know, Bono's out there, where the streets have known, and everybody's like, yeah! <laughs> like, you know, it doesn't really matter what your personal context in the world is. You could pray to whatever God yeah. you want to believe in, you know, as long as you come, you know, pay penance to the altar of Bono. Yeah. <laughs> um. <laughs> this is getting real sacrilegious real quick, and I didn't intend for it to go Well, there. I think the thing <laughs> is, 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 is I, I'm going to circle back a bit, is just hearing Bono scream his heart out on this. It did kind of change my perspective of him. I'm like, this is a... Th- this guy is throwing himself into this. You know who he reminded me of? There's two people he reminded me of. He reminded me of Eddie Vedder. Oh, yeah. And Jim Morrison. Believe it or not. That's so funny. Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, when I listened to this album today, it finished the album, and guess what Spotify played? A Pearl Jam Oh, did it really? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, It was the one from... What's that one song that was in like MLB the show a couple years ago? Um uh, I I don't think I knew they had one. I'm pretty sure yeah, they they do. Um cuz I remember hearing uh, hearing it on the MLB the show soundtrack and I was like, "Oh yeah, that's a good one." My guess it's off probably like Lightning Bolt or one of their newer albums, I would guess. If you you're clearly looking it up, so if you I have yeah to, I if have you find it, it up, I guess cause... let us know. Um, what I wanted to hop in and say is that um, it was rearview mirror. Oh, well, okay, that's like off uh, yeah. Vitology, I think, or no, Versus. It's off Versus. Their second album uh, could be. <laughs> <laughs> we were yeah what, what is mlb the show like we're running out of fucking songs dude some dudes in the back like yeah oh, you ever listen to pearl jam <laughs> uh all right sorry i didn't no, interrupt you're you fine. what were you saying you're fine. um god i'm i'm lost in thought here i here's what i love about rattle and hum I don't even talk. I want to talk about the album specifically. What I loved about this album is that I felt like I heard a band do. There would be a song and they would do something crazy live. It would be this epic live performance Mm -hmm. in which everyone did not pay perfectly. I don't know if you've heard it, but that drummer fucks up at least about. I think I, I think I counted three times on this album. There's okay. like three <laughs> glaring mistakes that aren't terrible, but he gets off at about three different occasions. But you hear a band do something in a way that truly is unique. It is their own, and it is big, and it is epic. But mm-hmm. I love hearing that same band then again do a studio song that I had to check and be like, is this live? <laughs> this whole album's not live yeah <laughs> like and and that is truly impressive i honest to god think that this is one of the best produced albums i've ever heard wow i i really truly do because like the live cuts are amazing 
I like I said, I had to go back and check. Is this live or in the studio? I have no fucking clue. And, and and it's hard to tell. Um, I think it's one of the best produced albums I've heard in a, at least in a very long time. Um, I think mm-hmm. it's one of the more interesting albums I've heard in a very long time. Dy- dynamically, I totally think that's a thing. Um, I, I mean, I was, I was, I, I, honest to God, was blown away. I, I really was. Wow, that's awesome. Because the live tracks were amazing. The studio track. I mean, and this, uh, Mitch, honest to God, this has all my, not even Joshua Tree, this album has my favorite U2 songs. I love Desire. That's always been one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. I heard Hawkmoon yes. 269 for the first time. What the fuck is that song title? I love it. I had to look it up because I was curious. Um, at the time, there was a book by the name uh, by the by a guy by the name of Sam Shepard wrote a book called Hawkmoon, and apparently oh, they had to work yeah, on yeah, that yeah. song. They worked on that song for like months and perfected it. Literally, Hawkmoon two sixty nine is basically just because they had two hundred and sixty eight iterations yeah, of that yeah. song, and they were just like, "Fuck it, we'll call it Hawkmoon two sixty nine." Yeah, yeah, <laughs> okay. that actually makes sense. I, that was the first time I heard that song, and I fucked with it. I do think their Helter Skelter cover is very good. Bono kind of bugs me because he has this weird thing where he's like. And you go back to the bottom of the slide. He did it kind of like Hamilton almost a little bit. And I was like, I don't think you need to do all that. Just sing it. Uh, But it is a good cover. Uh, The All Along the Watchtower cover was good. It wasn't bad. Yeah, I uh, so I I um I should have made you watch the documentary, although I didn't want to be that mean, um because some of this like I think is better in the context have, because the context I may have already seen is... the documentary. That's the thing. I think okay. this is the documentary I watched. Okay, right on. So the um when they did uh. I, I don't know how true this is, but in the documentary, it made it seem like they put all along the watchtower on this album, like as a last minute choice, because there's a video of them backstage and some, they're all sitting around a table and somebody goes like, Hey, does anybody back there know all the words for all along the watchtower? <laughs> Which I thought was hilarious. Um, it's very, it's very 1980s saying, because now we would just, <laughs> would just it. <laughs> it just kind of made me, yeah. <laughs> it just kind of made me realize like, Oh, they they just decided to do a cover of this. That's hilarious. Yeah, yeah you didn't get to look up the entire song, you know, <laughs> right. back then. Well, and actually, uh, that's something I want to go back to. This came out in 1980 fucking eight. And I can guarantee yeah. you, if I was alive, I would have been like, dude, you two is the greatest band ever, dude. Like, I would have been so in on these guys because this does not sound like an album from 1988. Yeah. At, at all. I agree. And then some of the, some of the other cool things that I saw in the documentary that I wanted to at least mention that add a little bit more context. There are a few songs on here all in a row that were recorded at Sun Studio in Memphis. Um, kind of going back to this whole Americana blues roots music. They wanted to record some of the album at Sun Studio and they did. Um, they did Angel of Harlem. Uh, Love Rescue Me, which I thought was a kind of an Elvisy song. Mm-hmm. They recorded it at Sun Studios. And then there's part of the documentary where they literally go to Graceland and are just like losing their shit over like seeing Graceland for the first time. And it's just really cool. There's a there's kind of a cool scene where um 
Bono goes up to some lady working at Graceland is like, hey, can Larry sit on the motorcycle? And she's because there's a Harley Davidson right. back there behind these ropes. And she's like, no, no, we, we don't let people do that. <laughs> and he's like, oh, he's a big Harley fan. We'll put the cameras away. Two seconds later, there's a video shot of him sitting on the Harley. <laughs> uh, hilarious. Um, but also maybe disrespectful. I don't know. <laughs> First off, fuck Elvis. I'm not going to take that guy's corner ever. Okay. Yeah, no. That's not that out of a take. Yeah, yeah, really not. Um, okay, let me pee real quick, but I'm, I'm, I'm okay. coming right back. So don't even cool. Okay. <laughs> That's awesome, man. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's got B.B. King is on it, so... (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Uh, Yeah, no, exactly. Well, okay, so... I think I've talked about mainly everything I liked. I do genuinely think this album is really well-produced to the degree that I couldn't tell the live songs apart from the studio Mm -hmm. tracks. That's amazing. Um, Yeah. (laughs) I really enjoyed Bono throwing himself into these songs... Um, I thought the edge one note that I didn't talk about is I, I said like I, I just I have to give it to Edge has maybe one of the greatest guitar tones ever. Oh my gosh, absolutely. Yeah, he pioneered the delay pedal, man. Nobody was using it like well, that. Well that's the thing, like that. That's <laughs> the thing, is like people had the delay pedal, were using it. Electro harmonics mm-hmm. around this era had made one of the greatest delay pedals of all time but people weren't even remotely touching it like the edge was. And it goes beyond that. Just his standard fucking guitar tone is incredible. It's good. It's Mm -hmm. perfect. And I think I finally realized my issue with you two. It's too perfect, Ah. but we'll, but we'll get back (laughs) to that. So here's, uh, here's my only here. Here's the sins. This album committed for me. Sound way too long. Yep. Yep, I agree. There were a few songs there towards the end where I kind of tuned out. Um, Heartland, God two. Part Two, yep. and then by the time they got to the Star Spangled Banner, I'm like, what are we even doing? <laughs> that brought me back, but I literally let me let me read this note for verbatim just so you can hear it. Let me find it here. Okay. Um yeah. It did start to feel like it dragged on a bit around track fourteen, God Part Two. I started to ask, is this really their best? Or could they maybe excluded a track like this? I was pretty engaged. Then I did kind of start to get a little bored. 
And that's my major complaint is just around that part of the hour. Yeah, (laughs) I didn't like Love Rescue Me. I didn't even like Angel of Harlem all that much, to be honest with you. I didn't think it was that good. Uh, I kind of liked I kind of liked it because it had those kind of cool horns like they rarely do horns on an album and live. Well, that's Um, where I got confused because Pride was a live track before that. Then Angel of Harlem is not credited as a live track. So I think it's technically a studio track. I think it is too. Yeah, I was kind of like, I could kind of do without some of these. And I'll, oh, actually, I do kind of hate when love comes to town. I didn't like it. It's a BB King song. Let BB King do it. Have him come in and shred us. You know, do a BB King solo. Something else really funny they mentioned on the documentary. So they there were they showed footage of them like rehearsing with BB King like before the show, and. I've never really heard B.B. King talk like I know he plays and he's a pretty good really? singer, like fantastic. Um, but I just thought it was funny because I guess I'm just unfamiliar. But he was like <laughs> at one point, he literally said, yeah, I'm going to come in and I'll, I'll do these uh, these licks. And I, I don't play chords, though. I can't play chords. And that was mind blowing to me because Bono was like, oh, no worries. The edge will get you. I was like, just a guitar legend. It was just like, I don't do chords. (laughs) That is is funny. That's worse worse than I thought it was. Well, dude, I've heard people like shit on BB King. They're like, he plays four notes. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, but he plays them well, motherfucker. Fuck you. I I love BB King. He's, he's, He's one of my favorite guitarist yeah and then next to this is the last one um next to heartland i i wrote a very for a very forgettable fire which is kind of funny because the unforgettable fire is a u2 album oh that was a joke just for me that was uh but a stoop because that's the thing is like even the bad u2 well i don't even say bad but the ones i didn't like on this album weren't terrible they just didn't keep me as invested because yeah. um, I actually think the last three tracks on this album fucking rule. I love that they included part of the Woodstock Star Spangled Banner from Jimi Hendrix. I think mm-hmm. that is one of the most important musical events to ever have happened and potentially yeah. ever will. I, I think it's monumental for a black man to play the Star Spangled man- Banner on guitar in the way he did, which was also a protest against America in the Vietnam War at that time. Mm. He literally recreated sounds of war, like the helicopters and bombs dropping. I mean, I I, I mm. truly think that's one of the most important th- pieces of music ever. Then Bullet the Blue Sky. Look, that's my favorite U2 song. I've that's a real always love it because it's doomy, man. It's heavy. It's doomy. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, Bono has even on the studio cut of that, I think, goes into like, you know, we're all in America. It's a little not unique and original. It's people were Ooh. obviously have been doing this for a while by the time Bono started to yeah. do this. But uh, I really like. Yeah, I, I, I really like that U2 song. And all I want is you didn't blow me away but i think it was a really nice way to end the album i think they could have cut some of the studio tracks really when it comes down to it i would have been happier with a couple more live cuts um but um yeah really at the end of the day um 
the only other things I wanted to talk about is basically, so I rated this album a 7.5 out of 10. That's what I gave it. Oh, okay. Right I would have gave it an 8.5 if it wasn't for like God Part 2 and just songs that yeah. I'm like, it's not that they're bad. I I think the note I had was, is this the best they can do? And it clearly not yeah. because I I genuinely think what this album taught me is how good a songwriters they are. I really do think you two yes. are in- incredible songwriters. Um, I think the production on it is incredible. I, I still want to reiterate that. I really did really, really enjoy the production on this album. Um, but I finally have figured it out. I spent a, a, an embarrassing amount of my workday trying to figure out why I like you two, but I'll never be a fan. And I think it took okay. me like two <laughs> solid days, and I think I have an answer. Bring it on. As much as I did actually enjoy this, it wasn't a chore, besides the fact I think it's about 15, 20 minutes too long. Yeah. As much as I enjoyed all that, at the end of the day, the reason I'll never probably go out of my way to listen to this album again or really do like a deep dive into you 2 is while their songwriting is amazing and good and live, they're great in the studio. Yeah, they still kill it. They have good production, all this stuff. It is, at the end of the day, too polished. It's it's too yeah. perfect. It's too thought out. It's to a degree that I do actually kind of feel like they're manipulating me. And Where the Streets Have No Name is my perfect example of that. Or wait, no, it doesn't have to. I still haven't found what I'm looking for. I did it, too. I did that earlier. Yeah, weird. Um, But I I know exactly what you're going to say. Are you talking about when they brought in the gospel choir? I didn't love that. I thought it was, you guys are four white guys from fucking Ireland. Do not bring up black people to sing the song better than you. And in the documentary, it's even a little more cringy than that oh, wow. because they literally go to, they go to rehearse it to, they go to a church in Harlem and they're like kind of practicing this like song along with these people in the middle of a sanctuary in the middle of Harlem. It's almost kind of like, yeah, I, I don't know how to put it. It's, 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 it's weird for me. It, it, it's, it's appropriation <laughs> is what it is. Yeah, that's, yeah, <laughs> pretty much. And, and I hate to say that because we, people throw words around like, uh, these guys grew up in Dublin, Ireland in the 80s. They were not privileged. I mean, like, totally. Like, Dublin, Ireland mm. in itself is not this rich country with all this wealth. It's not. It's It's just a country that a lot of fucking people come from which is why it's important. Um, While I respect that they're doing an Americana thing, to me that would kind of be like me making an album about Ireland and then I cover like songs from Ireland and then I make other songs (laughs) sound like they're from Ireland and then I go to Ireland into the poor part and I take people and they and they sing songs on the albums for me to make it authentic i mean this is 1998 
Yeah. Kudos to them for even having black people on their record. I mean, I hate to say that, but it's true. I mean, these are, you know, kids from fucking Dublin, Ireland. They got BB King and like mm-hmm. black choirs. I mean, that's progressive. There's probably plenty of people who didn't like them for that fact. However, mm. yeah, kind of a bad take. If you're going to put in a gospel choir into your song and they sing it better than you do, as good of a singer Bono is, <laughs> you know, uh, they out sing him on that song. Yeah. <laughs> and I would have shut the fuck up <laughs> if it was me. Yeah, right. I, I wouldn't even. I've been like, y'all sing it. I'm not singing this shit. Like, there's, I, there's no way I could even come close. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I didn't love that either. Yeah. That was not my favorite choice. I understand what they're trying to do. It, it just bad ex- execution. It just feels kind of... If they included them on every single other U2 album, totally different. But they didn't. You know? Mm-hmm. And especially in the context of the documentary where they're like, they're traveling around the U.S. Like the, the most of this concert was filmed at a concert in Arizona. It starts out, they go to like, like I said, they go to Sun Studios in Memphis, Tennessee. They go to Graceland, Mississippi. They go to, and then all on their vacation, they're like, hey, let's stop by uh, Harlem and kind of like, you know, explore Harlem for a little while. And then it even shows them walking around the city like, uh, like oh, like uh, you can tell that they're visitors. Right. They're going to be leaving, whereas the people that are helping them make this album can't leave. This is their life. Yeah, it's a little, that's what it like, is. Zoo. It's, it's, it's a little too much like petting zoo for yes. me. Like, hey, we'll go check this out, and then we'll and then we'll leave back to our comfy hotel. Well, that, I mean, that's the biggest thing I ever learned in Cincinnati is, like, when, when we live there, is, like, you do not roll up to a spot and act yeah. like it's yours. As much as we love mm-hmm. that city, we will never be from Cincinnati. So when I go to Cincinnati, right. I treat it as a visitor. I am here. This is your mm-hmm. home. You know what I mean? Like, I need to respect what this city is. And it's not that YouTube didn't do that. But Harlem might be the toughest city ever to walk into as a white guy (laughs) and not be a dick. And not be a douche. You know? To me, there's like two cities in America that have always been predominantly African-American that you do not fuck with. That you say your P's and Q's, and it's and it's their city. It ain't your city, and that's Harlem. Uh, well, it's a borough, but you know how New York works. It's very yeah. confusing. Harlem and Atlanta. Oh, I thought you were going to say Compton. Oh, Compton too. Yeah, <laughs> white people have gotten very comfortable with Compton, and they should never have been. <laughs> yeah, you don't true. actually. Com- yeah, actually, that I, I would say. Okay, three. I would say Compton. Atlanta and Harlem. No. If you ain't from there, you are totally a tourist. Like, don't even pretend. Yeah. But, yeah. So, uh, yeah. I gave that album a 7.5. I really did like this. I'm glad you made me listen to it. I loved a majority of it. I only disliked part of it. But I do think at the end of the day... U2 writes music in a way that I like it. I enjoy it. Mm-hmm. it. 
they're just there is something missing that will never really bring me back. At least as of today, yeah. that will not bring me back to continue to be like I want to listen to you too and be a fan. Right now, I don't have anything that would make me do that. That's good. Well, no, that's I, I'm glad to hear um, that. Mostly, I'm I, I'm glad that my my choice of album was a good introduction for you because I was kind of stressing out about that today. I I literally talked to a couple people that are like more familiar with like U2's catalog, and I told them about this podcast, and they were both just kind of like why that one again like youtube people are like uh why that's not a good one but i feel like um yeah for all the things i just mentioned and if you can believe it or not um i kind of knew you would have issue with the fact that it's you know a little bit more polished and of their studio albums this one is not near as fucking polished as where the streets have no name joshua tree um you know their first couple albums are pretty unpolished they're kind of raw sounding right but they're definitely a polished pop band that doesn't really get any bigger than you two so i thought this one might be a little less polished and um i don't know uh and again and again a good intro because there's some songs you've heard some songs that they don't do right so (laughs) they're not they're not original songs Uh, you might like this one it's the well you almost (laughs) asked me basically like what album i wanted to do like we were texting about it and like you brought up like well i don't know if i want to do like joshua tree and rattle or or rattle and hum and i and i knew the name of this album not even knowing what it was so while this may Mm. not be universally loved by fans it is one of their bigger albums because i knew the fucking name of it Yep, that's true. Um, but I did not want to listen to Joshua Tree because I've heard the singles. I no, I have not listened to the whole entire album, but people mm. know it. It's from well, it's just like you know when we did the Steppenwolf album. I picked probably their worst rated album, but at the <laughs> yeah. end of it, you were like, "Yeah, no, I loved it. This was awesome." And I'm like, right. Uh, <laughs> I don't even get it. Like, why do we like Born to be Wild so much? Like, Absolutely, this album is way yeah. more interesting than that. <laughs> and I think that that is what I liked. Um, I think it was a good pick because I think if you're if you haven't listened to U two or really understand where they come from or any, I think I think this is a good one to kind of like cut your teeth on because Sweet. you kind of get them coming at it from a political angle on what's important to them at the time, what they feel they need to speak up about. But hey, also, here's America. But Bullet the Blue Sky is the second to last song, and I never viewed that as a very nice caricature of America. I feel like mm-hmm. they're I feel like Bono's trying to get somewhere with like a criticism of America. So that's also interesting that to make an album about like Americana and then you throw in a song like second to last and you're kind of criticizing America. Yeah. I mean, I fuck with that, dude. So <laughs> Absolutely. So, <laughs> you know, I think it was a good pick. I had a lot of fun with it. I didn't convert. I have not been converted. But there is a higher, a way higher level of respect that I even had before. I always had a lot of respect for you two. But now hearing the Edge play live, hearing what he's doing, he's a good guitarist. Everyone stop. Everyone leave Mm -hmm. Edge alone. All right. He's fine. (laughs) He's a good guitarist. Shit is hard. And yeah. 
Seven seven point five out of ten. I really liked it. I had a good yeah. time. I didn't convert. I'm not like a Bono diehard uh, at all, but I, I did have fun listening to it. I did enjoy this, Sweet. so it was a good time. And that was the goal. I didn't plan to convert you. I kind of figured we were too far gone for that to be a thing, but I just wanted to give you to give it kind of a fair shake. So an unbiased shake. <laughs> the more we've talked about it, it's kind of because I, I was talking to myself today and I was like, well, I wouldn't put it in my top 10. <laughs> and now I'm kind of like, fuck, would I? Just out of a sense to be like, this feels like a rebellious you. Because you know what they did? They did what fucking Nirvana did. With their second album. Because. I, elaborate. Sure. I'll get there. <laughs> so. There's that term. The sophomore slump. Right. I yeah, think sure, it's a sure. sports term. First. Where like a freshman comes out. Red shirts. Has a really good year. Yeah, sophomore gotcha. year. He kind of goes through his slump. Because everyone's expecting him to do better than his freshman year. But mm-hmm. his freshman year was just no fear. I have no fear in what I'm doing. Yeah. Nirvana came out with technically Bleach first. It doesn't technically count because it wasn't a major label release. Their first major label release was Nevermind. Well, Kurt Cobain was yeah. like bordering on superstitious. He said, I'm not doing the sophomore slump thing. We're going to release Incesticide, which is going to be B-sides, covers, no new material. No new material. They came out with Incesticide mm. and their last album being in utero um but incest in incesticide is a really interesting nirvana album because you get these songs that are really fucking good they're punkier they were these really good covers they were b-sides that were also really good um uh sliver is one of the more kind of popular nirvana songs if you're actually a fan and that was on that album um oh fuck aneurysm which i think is one of the best nirvana songs is off that album so it was a really interesting take and i kind of feel i i don't know if joshua tree was youtube's first album but was this the album that proceed no is there like third? did this immediately proceed yes joshua tree was 87 this was 88 so i feel like you two kind of had the same thought of like we just came out with this album we're getting critical acclaim people love it i'm not gonna live in its shadow let's take what we did here let's do b-sides covers live takes and they did that and i'm like man i kind of fuck i kind of fuck when bands do that like (laughs) i i dig that because it's like we're creating art we're creating a thing we're just not necessarily writing a completely new hey here's 10 new songs that will get us to the top of the charts. Buy it. We hope you like it. They're like, nah, we're going to kind of like do something here. And they did. So I, I don't know. I kind of, I kind of fuck with it. I, I think they didn't want to sophomore slump it quote unquote of like, we just made something that might be one of the greatest things ever made in music. And Joshua tree is that, yeah. I mean, it, you're silly to not, you have to admit it. It's one of the most, you know, well-received albums of all time. Mm -hmm. What they said was, we're not going to try to write better songs than Joshua Tree right now. Let's make something and do something new out of it. And they did. 
and they did. So I'm like, yeah, no, I fuck with it. I think it's awesome. Yeah, absolutely, man. No, that's awesome to hear. Yeah, very cool. And I agree with you because I'll be honest with you, as big of a YouTube fan I am, the stuff that they did after that is kind of where they started to go downhill for me. Um, immediately after this was like Pop and then their like Zuropa album um, and that whole tour. And they are still like a, this, you know, spectacle, but it's like 90s U2 and like nobody really wants to hear 90s U2. Um. <laughs> uh, Mitch, I mean, I got to be honest. Beautiful Day might be one of the worst songs ever written. I, 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 it's, it's so terrible. And, but I, I mean, it's catchy. You want to sing it. It's in your head as soon as you hear it. It's the worst parts of YouTube. It's not challenging. Yeah. It's not, you know, it does not give you anything for your musical palette to latch onto and wrestle with. It's just clear poppity pop, pop, pop. Yeah. <laughs> and you two typically is under, at least for those early years, those first three albums are under punk. You would put them under punk. Like oh, yeah. They were, yeah. Absolutely, man. Yeah. Rocks, like they're yeah. a punk band from Ireland. <laughs> that's that's the difference. <laughs> so um, I, I had a great time. This was a cool pick. It was interesting. I would have been so bored if we just did Joshua Tree. Because how do you shit on Joshua Tree? <laughs> like, I'm sure you can find flaws with it, but like, you know, for for a lot of people, I would I would say a vast majority of people, that album might end up in their top ten. But the fact that you picked an album that even YouTube fans are like, well, this isn't their greatest. I'm like, no, I want to hear that <laughs> because y'all bought How to Dismantle an Atomic Bomb, and that shit is bad. <laughs> i had to listen yeah. to vertigo like fuck you like so i want to hear what the stuff you guys think is bad and it was actually pretty good it was it was actually really enjoyable sweet <laughs> so all right well there we go uh what okay i gave the album 7.5 out of 10 what would you give rattle and hum i think I, it's pretty close i think i'm gonna round it up to an eight fair um just because the yeah, like I said, there there are a couple songs they could have made it about three songs shorter, and it probably would have been a ten for me. Um, I personally, you know, as much as I talk shit about when they brought in the Harlem Gospel Choir, I really liked that. Oh and yeah, it, I mean, it know, sounds it really amazing. Did. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it sounds great. And then you know when they when they got BB King to play on it, like who saw that coming like you know even though you said you didn't love that song i've loved that they got bb king to join them on an album I, it's cool um, yeah so yeah you're not <laughs> wrong that's the, that's the whole thing is i could hear the total opposite argument of like here's why rattling hum is the best u2 album and i would at least i wouldn't skip that video i'd be like all right let me hear what yeah. you have to say because <laughs> you might convince me <laughs> so yeah i give it an eight um yeah well that's about all i had man um i don't really have any much uh any more points so what about you you want to do what you cranking or like have we just been cranking you two what about this what if you put on your favorite u2 song and i'll also put on my favorite u2 song uh, Is that okay? yeah that's okay <laughs> i i have a what you cranking but i can save it for next time well you can do yours i'm just gonna do you yep. two so I don't, I don't want to speak well, for if you. Well, if you're going to do that, I don't <laughs> want to do mine. So so let's just do okay. I I do like Desire. I really do. 
but you're very correct because you were talking about those Bruce Springsteen correlations. Bruce Springsteen also yeah. has a song called Desire. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Also, Ryan Adams <laughs> has a song called Desire. Uh, oh, gosh. <laughs> it, it, it's Bullet the, Bullet the Blue Sky. That's always been my that's favorite. Mitch, I think that I when we were at CCU, there was one weekend where I drove home from Cincinnati. It's about an hour drive. Is Bullet the Blue Sky off Joshua Tree? Is that? Yeah, it is. I mm-hmm. swear to God, on this random Sunday, I drove home in some rock radio station in Dayton, played the entirety of Joshua Tree, and I listened to Joshua <laughs> Tree coming home from Cincinnati because I heard, is Desire on? Is no. it off this? Desire is actually unique. It's yeah, it's new. Yeah, that's a that is a single. That's the single from uh, okay. Rattle and Hum. So I don't know if they played the entirety of Joshua Tree or the entirety of Rattle and Hum. I I think I've heard of this album before, Mitch. I swear to God, they played Rattle and Hum because <laughs> I heard Desire. Um, I heard some songs I wasn't really into. I kept coming back to the radio station. And I was like, is this still fucking you two? And then I heard <laughs> Bullet the Blue Sky and I loved it. I, I think a radio station played this album in its entirety. That's incredible. Good for but, them. <laughs> but yeah, I, I d- because I'm like, this is kind of making sense because I've heard all these songs before and I don't know where. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I do genuinely think my favorite U2 song is Bullet the Blue Sky. It sounds like Jane's Addiction meets Soundgarden. But this, <laughs> yeah, but this was like 87, 88, dude. That's wild. Like, yeah, yeah I, I think that's the coolest U2 song. That, that is my favorite. Right on. Cool. Um, I am going to add the song 40 off of U2, uh, off of uh, War Album, um, which is going to be kind of an unpopular opinion. But when I saw them in concert, that's what they ended the show on. And um, it's uh, I think this is going to be a really cool kind of combination that will show the dynamics of U2 because both the Blue Sky is definitely one of their more upbeat, rockier For sure. um, yeah. songs. That And then go to 40, it's going to be kind of their slower almost gospel as i keep using the word gospel um kind of chill moment. no i, I think know. you're totally right with the gospel comparison did the killers just rip off you two for uh, a minute hold on the killers ripped off you two and bruce springsteen <laughs> okay. <laughs> the whole sam's town album is nothing but Bruce Springsteen singing about the desert. <laughs> I just haven't heard it before. And then I'm like, wait, the killers are just you too. In like this circa yeah. late 90 or late eighties, early nineties era, at least for a minute. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. No, they're, they're big inspirations. You okay. Can tell. Okay. Just making sure I'm not crazy. Cause I'm like, yeah, there was a couple times where I could just see like the guy from the killers, like doing this song, like, and it would totally, yeah, it would totally absolutely. make sense. Like <laughs> it's this type of music, but, um, okay. Well, yeah, no, uh, I had a lot of fun rattling hum. Um, here's, here's the last thing I'll say about the album. 
if I was at a record store and I was flipping through records and I saw Rattle and Hum, I'd buy it. Hell I'd yeah. buy it and give it a spin <laughs> because I'm like, you know what? There is something here. This is an interesting, complicated album full of Bono going on rants about apartheid <laughs> and there's maybe some cultural appropriation going on. I don't know. It's complicated, but it's it's not bad. <laughs> I would I would listen to this album again. Sweet. So, <laughs> all right. Well, there you go. Thank you for listening to the Vinyl Frontier. We went on quite a few tangents, uh, courtesy of Bono. So, can you name all the members of U two? <laughs> Absolutely. Please do. I can. That that's how we'll send this off. Please <laughs> so, name them all. The biggest reason I can is because I listened to a much better podcast about YouTube featuring featuring Scott Ackerman and Adam Scott called You Talk and YouTube. Oh, that's right. Um, but they had these little inside jokes where anytime they referred to one of the members of YouTube, they had these like nicknames for them. So you've got Bono, obviously. I don't think they had a nickname for Bono because he's Bono. That is a um, nickname. <laughs> uh, the Edge, they just called him by his like legal name, <laughs> which I always forget, but it's something real yeah, that's, dumb. That's hilarious. It's, um, yeah, it is. His real name is. I'm gonna give it a quick Google. David Howell Evans. Oh, I wish you never told me. <laughs> That's his legal name. <laughs> uh, and then you've got on drums, Mr. Larry Mullins Jr., aka Larry Mullins Senior's son. <laughs> and on bass, <laughs> you've got Adam Clayton, aka Adam Clay, two thousand pounds. <laughs> That's just so That's dumb. That's stupid, but I enjoy it. <laughs> I, I I will say that I could have died, never knowing the the Edge's legal name, and I'm just so bummed. It's just David. Yeah, it's not. Yeah, cool it's just at all. David. Uh, and also, like, he's super bald now. I'm pretty sure that's why he wears the beanie. Whereas in this documentary in the 80s, he had this long, luxurious oh, mane. Oh, that's right. A... I forgot. <laughs> he had and Bono this, did, he too. He had this badass ponytail. Yep. Yeah. yeah. I yep. forgot. <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah. Huh. Uh, anyway. Okay. Uh, that's about it. All right. Well, thank you guys for listening. Uh, Vinyl Frontier will be back next time. Um, until then. Scotty, my guy. Scotty, how do you how do you feel about you two and the Edge and Bono? Well, uh, you know, I don't mind you two or nothing. It's uh just that uh our daddy left us uh for an Irish woman, so I have a little bit of uh resentment for uh you know the biggest Irish man in the world. But you know, at the end of the day, I don't mind him. I don't mind him. I wish they would uh play something. Uh, that wasn't really in 4-4. Uh, I might like that a little bit better. But, you know, I mean, it, I don't hate them or nothing. I don't I don't really hate them or nothing. <laughs> All right, hot takes from Scotty. Let's move on. Let's beam us up. Let's get the fuck out of here. <laughs>